Welcome to The Contemplative Life. Three pastors, friends, and spiritual companions help us explore spirituality through a contemplative lens. I'm Christina Roberts. I'm Chris Roberts. I'm Christina Kaiser. We're glad you joined us. Hello. It's great to be with you. Today we are beginning a new series that centers around the phrase, I'm feeling for which today's topic is spiritual loneliness. And so to help us get our footing on this sort of a topic, spiritual loneliness, it it tends that it occurs for all kinds of reasons. So sometimes the spiritual notions and ideas that we used to have, they're just not serving us anymore. They're not working for us. Even though we may well be surrounded by plenty of people, we've got all kinds of relationships, we can find ourselves still feeling lonely. Or at other times, we may find ourselves in a season of rediscovery and and learning, which may cause us to even choose to separate uh, ourselves a little bit while we try to figure things out and try to get our bearings in the world. Or maybe it's that we find ourselves responding, that we're talking and we get funny looks or deep silences from people when we've shared about what we're thinking about or wondering about. And so that causes us to pull back. It may well be just for one reason or another, we have found ourselves beginning to think, maybe I need a new spiritual community. But even if that were true, where do I go? Where do I look? And so whatever the cause, connection, I think, is an important part of our well-being, this overall thing that we talk about when it comes to our health. And when one part of our well-being is suffering, we tend to feel that in all the other parts as well. So when feeling spiritual lonely tends to be our story, the question is maybe how can that contemplative life serve to help us? How can we regain that balance in our overall sense of wellness so that we can feel whole again? So as we get going on this topic, I wonder what comes up for the two of you as we start talking about this. Well, I think one of the things that comes up for me with this topic of spiritual loneliness is the part of our spiritual journey where maybe we believed one thing and now we're starting to question some of those things. And we wonder if our tribe will still want to embrace us with our new belief systems. Like we're not subscribing to some of the same things that we subscribed to before. And whether you're part of a spiritual faith community or you're just out there, we're, we we wonder if we're going to be accepted. And so I think sometimes we self-isolate because we don't think that if we bring our questions to our faith community, that they'll be received well. Just keep your chin up and press on is the narrative that we tell ourselves. That's what's going to come to us. So I think for me, that's one of the things that comes to me is whenever someone is questioning different aspects of faith or different beliefs, I think that can tend to be one of the, like you said, one of the ways that we feel spiritual loneliness. Yeah, I find myself just looking up the basic definition of lonely from the dictionary. And the first definition that popped up is sad because one has no friends or company. 
And that's really striking to me because I do think when we experience spiritual loneliness, it's very real, all the different aspects that you just described, Christina, that we tend to go through and have that. And it is a little bit sad. And I think it's disorienting and feeling lonely. It's without companions. I think that's such a huge thing. And I think sometimes maybe there are others in the in similar spots, but we just don't know where to find them, right? I think that was one of the things that you described. And so talking about the contemplative life, how can that help us with our spiritual loneliness? I think one thing is just acknowledging, yeah, this is sad. This is different. These emotions that are being evoked, on the one hand, maybe I'm expanding and I have curiosity and all these things are starting to click and make sense. And there's also some sadness that goes with that. There's grief, there's a letting go, there's loss. I was recently listening to the Center for Action and Contemplation. Richard Rohr has different people that that guest podcast with his community, one of which is Brian McLaren. And he has written extensively, I think, for people that are experiencing spiritual loneliness. And I think one of the things is just acknowledging you're in solidarity. Like you have other people in the world that are asking similar questions and maybe they're not right next door to you. But I think just even having that sense that your question matters and that there are others asking similar questions can bring a piece of, okay, I'm not alone in my spiritual loneliness. There are others, even if they're not physically next to me right now. Yeah, I think that is very helpful what you're talking about with this naming of it. It seems so simple. What would happen if I just acknowledged that I feel this way? But it does seem like even just saying so alleviates some of the pressure and then allows to ask that next what then question, like what is possible. But yeah, I think sometimes when I interact with people around this, maybe because I'm the first person that they're finally sharing this information with, that sense of hopelessness is the at the fore. It's very prevalent. I don't know where I would go. There is no hope. And I do feel like, because we moved a few years ago, and so we had to ask this question, like, where do we go for spiritual companionship, spiritual connection? And at first it was covid right? And so everybody was online and nobody was asking these questions and it wasn't that big of a deal. But then that kind of, once everyone started to get out, it was like this longer season than usual of not having been connected. So it did cause us to ask some meaningful questions like, what do we want out of a spiritual community? And I think essentially, I was thinking about this a little bit. How did we make a decision? And I think it had to start with what are my non-negotiables? What do I feel like has to be true of my spiritual community for me to be here? And what could I just overlook? Because we're not all the same, right? It's not spiritual sameness. There is this diversity no matter where you go, but how was I going to figure out what my non-negotiables were? I love your definition of what people experienced covid That just warms the heart. I think I'm, I'm struck by what both of you have said and particularly like the sadness that one would feel in this place of questioning, seeking, and I know we've talked a, a lot about the stages of faith. And I think we all go on a journey where we are wisdom seeking or we are needing to work out some of our ideas. And so for me, I think one of the most important things in that time frame is having someone that you can share with. And even I've had times in my life where I've shared kind of the things that are coming up. And I've shared it with people that might not necessarily agree or understand, but even naming it is so important for 
your spiritual health and to, to help you move forward. And I think that's the wonderful thing about spiritual direction, spiritual companionship is being able to tell your story uninterrupted and, and work these things out. And so we we're using a term contemplative spirituality, but I think a part of that contemplative practice for me is definitely spiritual direction and spiritual companionship. And I think there's various aspects to spiritual loneliness because oftentimes it is connected to that community. So there's the emotional loneliness that we're describing, some of the sadness and grief, as well as these conflicting emotions of excitement and maybe newness. I think there's also like social loneliness, which we're describing of who are my people now. And I think oftentimes our social lives are often connected with our places of worship. And when that's question, like, what does that mean? I think, Christy, your point is my tribe still going to invite me to things and accept me. Is that going to be part of it? And I think even like existential loneliness is a thing as well of what is my purpose now? Where's my grounding? Where's my roots? Where am I serving? Those sorts of things. And I think for a lot of folks, myself included, when we are walking through seasons of spiritual loneliness and, and trying to discover sometimes having, maybe it's not your end thing, like this isn't my final landing place, but in this interim I'm actually going to serve in this way or join this club or do something so that it's not like all of these things are screaming at once, but I found my rhythm at the gym or I'm volunteering at the soup kitchen or whatever it is so that we can maybe focus on one aspect of it and it doesn't feel so overwhelming. So I think that's another thing for me is creative practices where getting outside of that box of how to meet those different needs. That feels so great because of that whole thing about overall well-being, right? To be able to separate so it doesn't feel like it's all closing in because I think you're on to something, right? That social aspect is often tied up in our spiritual communities. And so if we're feeling spiritual lonely, we may also feel friendless, which is a difficult thing. But yeah, and I also feel like I've witnessed that whole, I have a question and I don't know if it's okay to ask it here. I mean, in this way, we can be good friends to one another, right? Because this is going to come up. Other people in our lives are going to ask questions. And even if we were surprised, oh, that's never been a question for me or something like that. Can we develop that skill of being able to remain grounded and centered and stable uh, I think in other podcasts, we've even talked about, oh, oftentimes if we listen, we ask, what does that mean for me? But can we refrain from going to that space once in a while and, and be that soft, open space, uh, which is really interesting because I have observed if someone is able to ask their question, oftentimes in even a month that has sprouted seeds. It's not like everything is fixed. A month isn't actually enough time for most things to get fixed, right? But that will sprout ideas of possibility of what could be. And that possibility tends to have a lot of energy and excitement. Uh, but did we have even one place where we could ask our question? And and then if we are the one asking the question, do we have one place where we would feel safe asking the question? So Krista, your point if only we have a spiritual director or a companion or someone that we can share with, like, where can we ask our question? And I think it's important what you're just naming too, that it takes time, right? Our spiritual loneliness, it's not going to be, we're unlonely in a month. And I think in a, whenever someone moves, it takes time to make new friends. Or if you're, you lost a loved one and you're in a grieving process, you're not going to just jump up and, and you don't have a lot of energy and it, you're in survival mode sometimes. And I think allowing ourselves sort of the grace and the compassion and the gentleness to be like, okay, this is what I'm walking through right now. And maybe sometimes 
tempering the expectations of how quickly I'm going to move through this, I think is also maybe a helpful contemplative practice of slowing down and that it's okay. This is where I'm at right now. And just naming that this is where I'm at seems really helpful as well. Yeah, that's a super helpful point. I think the the world is changing at a rapid rate. There's just so many changes that are happening around us. And you mentioned moving or finding a new job or things like that. I, I think one of the ways that I see spiritual loneliness having an effect on people is when something new comes to us, one of the things that we want to do is we want to return to something that's old, that's no longer serving us, or it, it just doesn't even exist anymore. And so we're looking for that, that something that was present in our life in the past, but we can't find it. And so I think that contributes a lot to spiritual loneliness. And you said we stay in a box, right? We have this box that we want to stay in of how we find meaning and spiritual connection. And whenever life has changed and we've moved or we've got a new job or something to that nature, it, it takes a bit of ingenuity of trying new things to to get out of that loneliness. But our tendency is to go back to what worked for us in the past. It just doesn't exist in a lot of places. Even with that, I think sometimes we may need that transitional time where maybe we're still showing up to our faith community because there's enough of the non-negotiables that exist there, or there's a couple and I haven't found my ideal thing yet, but something is still being met there. And before I'm ready to transition into this no man land or whatever, I'm still finding something in there that's meaningful. And so again, we don't have to rush out of it. Or maybe we, every once in a while, dip our toes in because it feels so unmooring and, and we need a little bit of that thing, even though it's not going to sustain us in the long term. I think sometimes in the short term, we may need some things like that too. And that, that's okay. Yeah. As both of you are talking, I'm reminded of this article that I read, which was the longest article I've ever read. It took me like an hour, but it was called Life After Lifestyle. And how you know marketing used to happen to a lifestyle, but so much more of what we do with marketing now speaks to meaning and all of these subcultures that have popped up in the 2000s. In fact, it was really terrifying how they would identify from 2000 to 2009 to teen. Like, it felt in a way like that period of change was just getting smaller and smaller, but these subcultures mean that you can find a little niche aspect of what you care about very easily. And so, yeah, maybe there's a hiking group or, or a group that goes and watches movies or a book study. There's some way to plug into meaning, even if you haven't found the whole picture. And there's a lot available to us today that was not true. I don't know, before the 2000s for sure, but we continue to be moving forward. Yeah. And I was recently talking with some folks and we were saying that for many of us, this space of, I haven't quite reached the thing yet. And I know at some point I'm going to get restless and want that next thing, but for now it's okay. For now, my book club or my art group or my different outlets that I'm doing is okay. Eventually I think I'm going to, it's not going to be okay. And I don't know what that next thing is, but for now it's okay enough for me. It's getting me through. And just to, I, I think that's important as well. Yeah. That's why I appreciate phrases like liminal space or a season of waiting. There's language that we have now that I don't know that we necessarily had several years ago, or it wasn't widely accessible to everyone. We have language for that interim time 
And so I'm, I'm super thankful for that, particularly for people that are in seasons of loneliness. Yeah. And I think maybe just one thing that pops into my head as well is we've talked a lot about the connection between person to person, but there's also our divine connection as well. And so when we are feeling that spiritual loneliness, is there any comfort and solace that we can take in that spiritual friend that is you know, divine mystery in our lives? And, and what does that look like? And is that a soothing, comforting place? And can we lean into that? Uh, because I think occasionally I do hear people say, whatever questions I was having, I definitely had this meaningful experience with God. So that counts. I think that is something we haven't said a lot about that. So that feels worth mentioning. Thank you both for diving in with me to this topic of spiritual loneliness. It's a difficult topic, but it feels good. Like we talked about earlier on just to sometimes name what is difficult and then be able to move forward from there. is the time in our podcast where we take a moment to talk about what we are into. So tell me, what are you into? I am into sunflowers. This summer, I've been taking my kids on a special day trip. And so my middle child absolutely loves sunflowers. And so there's a sunflower field about 45 minutes south of Madison. And we did a whole day thing. We did a painting class where we painted sunflowers and did the sunflower field and spent like an hour taking different pictures. They had little prop stations set up and where you could take really fun photos and you can cut your own sunflowers. And it was just delightful to see her and just, I don't know, walking through like massive, like acres of sunflowers and just being surrounded by the beautiful yellow, really tall, like I'm short, so it doesn't take much for sunflowers to be taller than me, but just being enveloped with that was just so delightful and lifting of the spirit. So I am into sunflowers. We are going to take on an endeavor of painting our living room. And so I have been into different colors and matching colors that go with furniture or that accents, accent walls, looking at different colors. And so I've been looking at the color spectrum and I find that everyone in our family has a a different opinion on what, what makes the eye drawn to a different color, but we are finding unity with different colors at last. So I've been into searching out colors. I feel like I could so be into both of those things. Sunflowers were the decoration of our kitchen, which has slowly been less and less true as we've broken a number of plates that used to go with a sunflower set. And we painted just a few years ago. So I am with you in these things. I am into right now this natural remedy of cayenne pepper. It turns out we have quite the squirrel population because our neighbor has a nut tree. And so there's a lot of squirrels that have come to get these nuts and they'll like bury them in our yard. But we also grow a lot of vegetables as we talk about a lot. And so it is not uncommon for a cucumber or a squash or whatever to have a bite out of it. And you can watch the squirrel go around. I was reading, what do you do about this stuff? And everyone said spicy things, cayenne, pepper, garlic, vinegar. But a lot of times natural remedies don't work, right? I've put down the cinnamon for ants and they just come right back or like the Windex or whatever. And you just get a couple hours and then and it's back. But we went, we got this big thing of cayenne pepper and we sprinkled it around the different plants and no 
biting. It has actually worked. So I'm all into cayenne pepper. Thank you so much for being with us today. And we'll look forward to being with you again soon. If you enjoy listening to the podcast, we invite you to stay connected by signing up for our Foundry Spiritual Center newsletter, where you can learn about even more programs and offerings. You'll find a link to subscribe in the show notes or visit us anytime at foundrysc.com. Thanks again for being with us. We hope you have a great week. Thank you.